Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. I hope you all had a nice summer and caught up with our various episodes. We've had Bob Scott, the lads from the 88-89 promotion season, uh, the chairman, Charles Grant, and we also had Luke Murphy on last week. But now with the season less than a week away, it's time for our season preview episode. So I'm joined again by Russ Fern. Hi, Russ. Hi, mate. And for the first time this new season, James Tate and Steve Davis. Hi, guys. Afternoon. Afternoon, Stu. Nice summer. Yeah, a lovely one, really. Getting back into uh, pre I love pre-season. I don't know what it is about it, but I love pre-season. And um, it's even been more special this year with the types of games we had and the fact we've not had games in ages. So, yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah, good summer. Just getting over the heartbreak of England. So, ready for, uh, ready for Saturday now. Some heartbreak for crew. Hopefully not. Likewise, we've had a lovely summer. Um, enjoying the Euros. Enjoying the Olympics at the moment. Um, you know, not quite filling the, the football fix. So really looking forward to getting back to the league competitive action. All right, let's get going then. Um, we'll start today with some signings. Um, James, who do I want to talk about first? I'll take Kane Ramsey, please, Stu. Okay, Kane Ramsey. So we've signed him on loan for the season from Southampton. A right back, uh, a few little bits and pieces. Uh, he's not played a lot, played twice for Southampton in the Premier League, five times in the league for Shrewsbury a couple of seasons ago. Um, what do you like about him, James? From what I've seen so far in pre-season friendlies, um, really athletic, really cool, calm, collected on the ball, um, likes to get forward, drive up the field. Um, he's got that attacking intent, which we sort of missed a little bit since Perry's gone. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him and Dale once they get going. Hopefully they can build up um, a really good partnership. And I think that's going to be a bit of a force to be reckoned with once they get going. Personally, I'm really surprised by how good he's been this preseason because I spoke to some of the people at the Salop cast, the uh, Shrewsbury podcast, and they really didn't rate him when he was on loan there. But for us, he looks, well, completely different to what they said he was like and then. I've got in my notes that he's all, he looks already too good for League One. Mm. He seems really, really classy on the ball. Um, you sort of notice it with players. I don't want to compare him to Nick Powell, but he sort of cruises through the field in a little Powell-esque sort of way. I was, I was going to say that he, it's a really weird comparison, but it's a bit when he's on the ball, he looks a bit like Yannick Balassi. Like you don't know which way he's going to go, and his like legs are going in different ways, but. He's then top past a player and he's driving up the pitch. And I think there's a really good quality to have in tight spaces. Steve, from what you've seen, is that hopefully going to be the hole that... I mean, I don't really think Crew filled the Perry NG hole last year when he left, did they? Yeah, I mean, obviously Travis had a, a stint there and Rio went across there at the back end of the season. But the lad is a natural athlete. Um, he looks a good defender first and foremost. But as James said, I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on with Dale down that right-hand side. And I think... Out of the five that we've signed, I think he's probably the most exciting, which is quite a strange thing to say about a right-back, really. But, yeah, he's been likened to Balassi and Nick Powell, so 
<laughs> yeah, fair play. Um, now, I was busy during the season when we were signing these players, um, getting some information from the clubs that they'd signed from. The only team I didn't get one back one for the Southampton fans. So I haven't got anything from their perspective, but I think that's probably fair enough. Like I say, he only played twice for them, so they probably don't know too much. Steve, I'll stick with you then. Who do you want to go and have a chat about next? Let's go Sean McDonald. Okay, Sean McDonald. So, uh, I mean, what I've got here, he's 33. He's a defensive midfielder. He's come from Rotherham. He's played for Swansea, Bournemouth, Wigan as well. Uh, my interesting fact about Sean McDonald is he's the most capped Welsh under-21 player in their history. So that's something. I'm not sure what it is, but it's something. He's also been capped for the full team four times. What have you seen so far, Steve? Um, not much, because I think one of the friendlies, I think he was isolating. He played 45 minutes at Nantwich, and then he played against Forrest. I think he's a solid signing. He's, he's obviously going to sit in the position where, where Winsor sat for the last few years, so he's not going to be overexciting, but I think he's a good, solid pro and a good signing for us. Uh, before we have a little chat a bit more about him then, this is what I got from the New York Talk podcast, which is a Rotherham podcast, and they told us that Sean McDonald's time with Rotherham was ruined with injury and illness. He came in two seasons ago in League One with a really good CV and seemed like a good fit, but with how we played, generally on the front foot, it didn't suit him. He breaks at play, but he doesn't have that quality to pick a pass or score a goal. We had Dan Barlesser, who was not as good as him at breaking play up, but is significantly better on the ball. Plus, for a large part of that season, he was out with an illness, making just 13 appearances, starting just twice. The way we had to play in the championship suited him. We had to be much more organised and stronger in the middle, and he shone in the first month or so. Then, another injury, he broke his leg and was out for a few months and never got his place back after some good January signings. Our manager has always talked very positively about him, not just about on the pitch stuff, but off the field. He is a leader off the pitch. So, I mean, reading that, it sounds a bit like a mixed bag, doesn't it? It doesn't really sound like it, they were too impressed with him, uh, Russ. Uh, they said about he's not great on the ball and passing, and I've actually got the same thought. From We've seen him very little against Notts Forest, and when he had the ball, it just it was completely different to Luke Murphy, who can spray a pass anywhere, can do everything. Whereas he looked a little bit more sluggish and a bit slow and would probably turn around and pass it to your centre back instead of picking a 45-yard pass or something like that. You've got to take into account that he's been self-isolating for the last 10 days or whatever, and he's just come to a new team and all of that sort of stuff. But from what uh, the Rotherham lads said there, that sort of already rings true. Yeah, one thing as well, I think this is going to be a theme with the new signings that we're going to talk about, is he's had quite a, some bad injuries in his time. He's obviously suffered that leg break at Rotherham they talked about last season. But there was another one in April 2017 when he was at Wigan that kept him out of the whole next season. He didn't play once in the 2017-18 season because of the leg break. But clearly, Dave Artell knows what he's doing. He's happy with what he's seen. He's happy with his fitness. But I think this might be a theme we come back to. There's a feeling that the players we've signed should and could be playing higher up in the league if they were a little bit less unlucky with injuries, James. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's obviously a quality there, but they've been unfortunate um, in the past. Um, I think there's an acceptance that they're not going to play 46 games a season and also the experience they've got and they're bringing in is going to be important in the squad with our young players we obviously want want the new signings to play, but we're also wanting to integrate, you know, 
in McDonald's instance or on in Regan Griffiths uh, lunchroom to get in there. Um, so obviously there's a there's a slight risk there, but it's it's more than just on the field for us, isn't it? Russ, let's go to Tommy Hoburn then. What have you seen from him so far? Um, good things and bad things. He played with, I think it was Luke Hofford against Wolves. And in that first half, Wolves had £30 million strikers, a Barcelona on-loan winger, and the two of them were brilliant. It was a clean sheet in the first, well, it was a clean sheet overall, but they played a under 23 side in the second half. So that's all, you can leave that. Um, but that first half, they were brilliant. They were combative. They were big. They were strong. They didn't let these players that have got brilliant pedigree to overawe them. And they were they were strong and they were good. And I think as centre-backs, you want one that's a big bruiser and he's going to win every header and he might be a bit slower, but he's taller. And then you've got the other one, which is like Luke Hofford, who's a bit, it's a little bit smaller, but he's a bit nippier and he's a bit sort of Eddie Nolan style. And Hoban's going to be that taller player. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how well he does do with Offord and with Daniels as well. Yeah, so he is another one, uh, like McDonald, that's suffered some injuries in his time. He came through at Watford, um, and whilst he was there, he suffered a, an anterior cruciate ligament injury in 2017. He then suffered a second anterior cruciate ligament in 2019. Um, so, again... Uh, if he's fit, it sounds like he's going to be a good sign-in. He has played a year in uh, Scotland for Aberdeen last year where he played a, a lot of games. So I'm really hoping that those injuries are behind him. Again, I did speak to the Here We Go Aberdeen podcast and they said this about him. Tommy is a player that's had more misfortune befalling by the time he was 25 than most footballers would get in a full 20-year career. When he signed as backup at Pataudry last summer, I think most Aberdeen fans were happy to have him in the squad as we recognised that this was a guy that had shown quality during his previous loan spell with us. But there was much scepticism over whether we could get an injury-free run out of him. As it turned out, he barely missed the game. So on a personal level, as much as anything else, I'm delighted that he's proved to himself and to others that the long months of rehab were worth it. As a quick Google will tell you, he's versatile and can play across the back four and in the holding midfield role. He was mainly deployed in the right side of centre-back in a back three last season, which suited him well. He's not blessed with much pace or particularly physically imposing, but he's calm, assured on the ball and a good reader of the game. Steve, does that match with what you've seen so far about him? I think he's been a bit of a decent presence. Like Russ said against Wolves, I thought he looked comfortable. He looks, I don't like using the word, but the bruiser of the centre-half partnership. Um, he can pass a football. Hey, look, everyone's had injuries. Obviously, he's been unfortunate, but I think if we can keep him fit, I think we might have a, an half-decent player on our hands. James? Yeah, he, he, I mean, the main thing, he, he's physically imposing, so instantly you assume he's a bruiser. I don't think he's a huge leader on the field, not that that's a bad thing or a good thing. But yeah, he's certainly got some really good qualities, looks comfortable on the ball. And one thing I've noticed, we're really looking to aim for him on any set pieces. We seem to be looking for him all the time. So hopefully um, we'll have that threat attacking-wise as well, which we haven't really had in the past season or so. We've not really had someone who's winning every header. It's interesting as well, isn't it, that they mentioned he's good on the ball because I don't think that Dave Artel or crew would have signed a defender that wasn't good on the ball. I think that's almost the first thing they look at rather than is he a good defender, it's can he pass the football. Did you ever watch Omar Beckles play? 
I saw he started off a lovely 21 goal, uh, 21 touch move that Leighton Orient scored <laughs> yesterday. And they've self blocked won the Pushkas award already this season. So no one needs to bother playing any football this season. I think the other thing with Tommy Hoburn as well, though, is he's similar to Sean McDonald. He's got international experience. I saw that he, uh, he was capped at youth level. He's got 11 under 21 caps for the Republic of Ireland. He also won Watford's Young Player of the Season twice. Uh, so he is a player who maybe hasn't quite kicked on from his potential, but there's obvious reasons with that injury or injuries. Um, so hopefully he can stay injury-free and have a terrific season with us. Um, Russ, let's go on to Chris Long. Yes, if, if I had the choice, I would have picked to talk about Chris Long because he's an exciting striker. I think the strikers we've got, Mika is very... He's a target man that's a mobile target man, whereas Chris Paul is a target man without the mobile bit necessarily whereas Chris Long offers a completely different skill set we've seen we've seen Callum Amy loves a good dribble and we've seen that in Chris Long so far I think there was a there was a time against Stoke I think James you you go to the Stoke game didn't you I did in indeed. The, the first half was terrible wasn't it but the two bright sparks was Chris Long just absolutely tearing down that right wing and then some, somehow struggling into the box I don't know what word I just said then but getting into the box and then I don't think anything came of it but with the ball at his feet he looks very exciting he can he can score a goal we've seen a few goals like that the Wolves one where he was the pass to him was just behind him and he's he's somehow manipulated his body to get that get that ball in the back of the net and I think he's uh he's had he's had a lot of chances at clubs but he said that none of them have played the football that he wants to play and now he's at a club that will play the football that he wants to play and I think this is a massive year for Chris Long. Shall we go to what I got from the Motherwell guys? This is from the official club historian and he said that I would have liked him to have stayed another season. Nothing I saw during his time at Motherwell made me think that he could be guaranteed to score 15 goals a season but that could be put down to the vast number of squad changes in his two seasons at Fir Park which won't help any new face. Having said that, he runs his socks off every game and I couldn't fault him for effort. He can strike a ball cleanly, early and powerfully without any great backlift. His game is centred around running behind defences, which when not getting caught offside, he's very good at. And when through one-on-one with a keeper, I was confident that he'd score or the keeper would have to make a great save to prevent him doing so. He was only 24 when he arrived at Fir Park, but Motherwell were his ninth club. 11 goals in 54 games may not fill the crew fans with excitement, but maybe he'll click with his new team. Looking at his playing record, there appears to be a problem that he's never been a regular in any first team. If you don't count his time at Fir Park, he's only played more than 10 games in a season with two of his other eight clubs. For someone reaching his peak, now is the time to find a club where he can be settled, be a mainstay in the starting 11 and score regularly. Hopefully, Chris has found a club at a level he can flourish and put smiles on the faces of the Railwaymen fans. I think from what I've seen as well, uh, looking him up online, that's the thing that sticks out to me is his lack of goals. He's not a striker who really scores a lot of goals, is he? It's about 40 in 200, which is a very basic maths, about one in six-ish. It's not great. We said the same about Mika, didn't we? Yeah, the most he's achieved um, in a league season was whilst he was on loan at Northampton a few years ago. That was nine league goals. But that was also the season that he played the most games. So it's possible, you know, he's just not played enough. He came up through the uh, youth team in Everton, barely featured for them. I think he had a couple of European appearances coming off the bench. He just needs to play games and we'll see, I think. Would we agree with that? 
definitely, yeah. definitely needs that chance to to play games, get a consistent run in the team. Hopefully, he can find that. I'm slightly concerned that he might not if we stick with four three three. I know we brought him in as a striker. Dave said himself that he's been played out of position on the left um, for Motherwell. So you're assuming he's he's coming in as a as a centre forward. So hopefully he gets the games. It's a plan B as well, which we lacked last season. Um, so yeah, I, I like what I've seen so far and really hope he's going to do well for us. James was banged on. He offers us a plan B. If we want to go four four two, he can go up there with Mika or Ports. Um, he looks half decent on the sides as well. Um, we're not going to find a striker who's a one in two man to play at our level. So Dave speaks highly of him. And as Charles said in a previous podcast, a lot of our recruitment is data driven. So where other fans aren't happy with Sean McDonald's passing ability or Chris Long's goal return, obviously I trust Dave to see the numbers right. And I actually think he'll be a decent signing. So just when I thought I had the preview pod all ready to go, uh, Cruz sprang a Friday night signing on us, a left-back who played 25-odd games for Sunderland last season. Uh, the season before that, he played 25-odd games for promotion-winning Plymouth. The year before that, he played 40 games in a promotion-winning Berry. However, when I got in touch with the local report to ask how Callum McFadzian was, um, their response was not great. Uh, I'll just read out what their response was. Now, I cannot remember a player as bad as him that has ended up as a regular starter. Time after time, he made costly mistakes and he was simply put out of his depth. Sunderland have never been lower than right now, languishing in League One, and he was the worst player in our worst point in history. Now, guys, none of us have seen him play yet other than playing against crew, but that doesn't really fill us with confidence, does it? Uh, Ross, I'm going to start with you because you've just put a blog out, I think, about uh, McFadzian on your Manon website. Yeah. I think you just can't read into what, what opposition fans say about players that have just left them and without being offensive to Sunderland fans, especially not Sunderland fans, because Sunderland shouldn't be in League One. Their, higher, their expectations are higher than what ours are. So if a player... We could our best player could go to Sunderland and not perform, and then they'd say he's the worst player they've had. But for a different club, he might be brilliant. He's proved himself at League Two level. Back-to-back promotions is brilliant. So that's proving yourself, in my opinion. Um, he deserves a chance at League One. At the end of the day, Sunderland, the club Sunderland, must have seen something in him to sign him, realistically. And we've said it, I think Steve said it a couple of times in this pod already. We've got to trust Artel. They've, he's he's made so many brilliant signings. I've struggled to really think of any that have gone wrong. Zandala. Um, yeah. Well, there's one. <laughs> and and you, okay. Yeah, that's two. If you think about when we signed Eddie Nolan and the Blackpool fans slated him so much and he's been an, a really vital cog in how we turned our club around, there's no reason why um, Callum McFadzian can't do the same. He's played... 20 times for Sunderland, even if he's been disappointing, it's not like they didn't have a choice to play someone else. It's still not a bad, they're a promotion chasing side, like Russ said, they shouldn't be in League One. So he's played 20 plus games for them, bagged a couple of goals. Every time I've seen him against Crew, I think he's been excellent. And I just, I'm just hoping that it's, it's going to drive him on to, to play well for us. Um, I think from what I've seen of him against us, attacking wise, he's really promising. 
um, gets forward, really good delivery. And again, it's Rio. They're not going to play 46 games. They're going to be in and out of the, t- of the team. So we need a plan A, a plan B. We need backup. Um, and it's a one-year deal. So, you know, he might might just be here to fill that gap to back up Rio for this year before Rio really cements his place. He's a versatile player as well, isn't he? He can play uh, left wing. And I think that's on our squad graphics that we produce every time a player signs. That's the position that the backup position for left wing is a position that's clearly vacant. So McFadden could, could fill that role as well. Yeah, it was just echoing really what, what Russ said about Sunderland's fans' expectations. Obviously, they're used to Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips. So, you know, I wouldn't read too much into what they say. I think it's worth putting out, yeah, he can play left side. And I think he scored two goals against us on the opening day of the season we got promoted. And he's always done well against us. So I'm happy with the signing again. Dave's obviously done his due diligence and he's not going to start at left back, I don't think, on Saturday. But he will have an impact during the season. Okay, so that's all the signings then covered. Um, I've asked you three to come on today because you were the three that went to the most friendly games out of the the regular pod uh, panellists. So what have you seen? Obviously, I've not been able to see any um, this summer because none of them were televised this year. Uh, What have you seen? What's your takeaways so far? Steve, we'll go to you first. The new signings have fitted in quite well. Um, Obviously, McDonald was isolating for a few of the games. But certainly against Forest, the the shape was good. And we kept the ball well. So we look like all the signings have bedded in. Wolves was a difficult one. We didn't have the ball for the first half, but we, we kept in the game. So that's a good sign that obviously on a hot day, the, the heads didn't drop. So for me, results are never important. But the comeback against Stoke, the way we kept going against Wolves, it's been fairly positive. And that Stoke game is something really to look at because it was a, an incredible evening for many, many reasons. And if you look at the football specifically, after a minute and four seconds, they'd hit both posts and scored and we hadn't touched the ball yet. And it was horrible. And we were thinking, this is going to be 10-0. But to be only 3-0 down at half-time showed something. But then to have that fight back, we we dominated the second half. It was literally roles reverse. They obviously made changes, tweaked the system a bit. But the fight that the fight back that we showed in that game and then the Forest game where we came back from 2-0 down as well is brilliant to have in pre-season because you don't often see that when the game doesn't really matter. Yeah, James, the results don't really count, do they? We've had some wins, some losses and some draws, but what have you thought about the performances so far? Yeah, just to pick up on what you've just said, really, that it's not the results that matter. When I've been to the games, even the, the games against your lower oppositions, um, it's the attitude of the players which is really sticking out. You see them getting annoyed with each other, annoyed with themselves about their performances in a friendly against Wit and Albion, not to be disrespectful. But yeah, that's really good to see. There's a hunger and there's a determination to get back into the games, which we've been behind in. And yeah, it's good to see the younger players getting in and getting used to the system. Griffiths, Lundstrom, Sass Davis, Tyrese getting some game time. Um, so there's encouraging signs there, definitely. James, you've been to the most games, I think, out of us all. Which youngster, in your opinion, has been the most exciting? Lundstrom for me. I don't know if exciting is the word, but <laughs> just <laughs> the type of player which, you know, we, we've said we don't really produce, but nitty-gritty stuff. Um, physically, it looks like he's been busy in the gym. Yeah, it's, it's good to see. It's exciting. That goal against Stoke as well, that was an absolute beauty. Yeah, lovely strike. Whilst we're on Stoke, uh, there's a couple of things I think we should mention about that game. 
Um, it was set up as um, an Ashton Hume charity match. And I think, was it £26,000? £28,000. raised. So that's tremendous, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. It's, it's a fantastic cause because it was a brilliant atmosphere. And when when everyone was stood up clapping him and cheering him and he, uh, you see him walking through the through the lines of players, you had hair up all over the, the goosebumps and all that type of stuff. And it was um, it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen at Cresty Road. Special, special night. I've seen quite a few people talk about maybe making it an annual thing, which would be a nice touch. Um, and it, again, it's a good test. It's a good atmosphere for all the players involved. But yeah, really special night. So another game that we should probably mention from pre-season for uh, an unfortunate reason was the the Wolves game. It was announced the morning of that um, the club announced that Andrew Scoffin had passed away. I do believe, and I have sort of seen a few clips, that there was a bit of a touching send-off for him at the game that day. Yeah, I think there was um, players obviously wore black armbands and there was a minute's, um, a minute's applause before the Wolves game, which was a nice touch. And I think the club are going to do a bit more as well, reading their tweets. When um, Chris Long put his one nil up as well, uh, John Rogers, I think the uh, the Tannoy man is now. He he said that one's for you, scoff over the Tannoy as well, and I think that was a really touching moment. Yeah, unfortunately, he's not the only Crew fan that we've lost this summer. I'm just going to take a minute now. Um, there's obviously Linda, who did a, a lot of excellent work with the Railway Men Supporters Group that was sadly lost in June. Uh, a couple of other familiar faces for people around the club, um, Neil Brookfield, and then. Steve, I believe the man known as the Russian, Chris Lawson, as well. Yes. Um, spent a few years in the Gressy Road end with, with the Russian. Everyone will know him from his hat. Um, fondly remembered for whoever we played, whether it be Man United in the Cup or a non-league team, um, just screaming out that we are better than these um, and we're fitter and stronger after about 10 minutes of every game. So good memories of Chris. If you ever saw Linda around the place as well, she always had a smile on her face. So, yeah, sad losses. Yeah, our thoughts from everyone here at the pod with all of their friends and family. Okay, let's move on to the squad then. I'm just I'm not going to spend too long talking about the squad. I want to just go goalkeeper, defence, midfield, forward, see what we're feeling. So goalkeeper, I feel like we probably don't need to talk about that too much. <laughs> we seem to spend all of last season talking about them. Nothing's changed. Are we happy to go with what we've got, James? Uh, happy to go with what we got, but completely expecting the same outcome as last season. Uh, there's going to be howlers, there's going to be excellent performances, and I'm very happy to see it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's not uh, talk about this anymore. I do feel like we probably need to remember that Jaskalainen is starting his third full season as a professional goalkeeper, and maybe... We forgot that at times last season. It was only his second season and he has a promotion on his CV already. Defenders. Is, then... that, an, is that an official podcast apology? No. no. Just a little reminder. Um, so defenders, we've got four centre-backs. We've got Hoban, we've got Offord, we've got Donovan Daniels, we've not mentioned, and we've got Billy Sass Davis, who has come back from quite a good loan um, at Yeovil. I do have a little report from their podcast, the Glovers cast as well. Uh, they had this to say about Billy Sass. He joined Yeovil in the middle of an injury crisis and stepped up to be ever-present in the side during what turned out to be one of the most tragic periods in the club's history. Despite his young age and our struggles both on the pitch and off it, he was calmness personified and showed a real strength of character in a league that can chew up young defenders and spit them out. If he can improve his attacking work on set pieces, he's really got the ability to be a top centre-back for club and country. I don't really think it comes more glowing than that, does it? 
No, he's been playing for the Welsh under-21s as well, hasn't he? I'm excited to see him. He played against Lincoln at the start of last season and scored a header in that game, and I thought he was genuinely quite solid. I think he, he is going to be the fourth-choice centre-back this season, but I think there's a lot of youngsters, but it could be a big breakout year for him. Yeah, he's going to get his chance, isn't he? We've talked about the injury-proneness of Hoban Daniels offered to an extent, so there's going to be a chance for, for Billy. Um, and yeah, like we said, could be make or break, really. So hopefully he can put everything he's learned at Yeovil and everything so far um, into his performances for us. I feel like this is it this year for him. I think he either makes it in the first team or he's on his way in the summer for Billy Sass. Uh, Absolutely. I, I remember uh, Swindon away the year before promotion. Uh, we won, was it 2-1? Dodgy penalty to them. The only reason they scored. We had him and Will Jaskalainen playing some of their first games, if not their first games. Uh, and obviously Will has become a regular in the first team. And it's not really happened, has it, Steve, for Billy Sass so far? No, it hasn't, but the club obviously sees something in him. I think the year at Yeovil and you know what's gone on at Yeovil will make him probably a stronger person and a, and a better person. So, yeah, the club sees something in him to stick with him. So it is a big year for him. He should be our biggest threat from set, set pieces. James said before, I don't, I don't remember ever scoring from a corner, ever. <laughs> but he should be our biggest threat. So it is a big year for him and I think everyone wants him to do well. He got that one in the cup first game of last season, didn't he? Home to Lincoln, as I can remember. Fullbacks, I feel like we've talked about. Are we expecting Rio and Ramsey to be our left-back, right-back combo on Saturday? Yeah, there's no reason why not. I don't think that they've started most of the friendlies, haven't they? Apart from Tuesday, I think Ramsey got a rest. But yeah, those, those two will be first choice for me anyway. OK, let's move on to the midfield then. Uh, this midfield is packed with talent, isn't it? Uh, if we're keeping the same formation, it's three of... Luke Murphy, Callum Ainley, Sean McDonald, Ollie Finney, Josh Lundstrom, Regan Griffiths, and then, fingers crossed, Tommy Lowry. I'd really like to go back to calling him Holmes Chapel's Tommy Lowry, but at the moment I've disowned him. Um, that's a good midfield, isn't it? That's an incredible midfield. The absolute the squad depth is ridiculous. It's, it's hard. I've been, been trying to work out which midfield three I'd want, but it's just it changes every five seconds. It's hard to actually nail down what three are the best three? Yeah, it's a nice problem to have and it's a challenge which Dave Artel is going to have to really work on this year as well. He's going to be picking three, we assume. He's going to be upsetting three or four. So hopefully there's going to be that that squad togetherness and that real fight to, for people to win the places. But yeah, it's a nice problem to have. Historically, we've always been best at producing midfielders. And if you look, five of them six are homegrown midfielders, which is an incredible achievement. But yeah, to leave three out, it's tough. It's going to be a tough choice. Let's talk about Tommy Lowry then. Um, what do we make of this situation, this stance that Dave Artel has come out with and said, until you sign this contract, you're not playing? Fair play to Dave. He's, he's obviously come out and he said it in the Inside Crew publication about the, that he sat in front of the chairman. Ultimately, his job is to protect the football club. And if he thinks that's the best way of protecting the football club, then his stance is right. You could always argue that Charlie's on the last year of his contract and I think Owen Dale as well. But Dave's made a stand and I think the majority of fans will back him. It's horrible because out of all their midfielders, Tommy is probably the best one that we've got. So to see him sat on the sidelines is pretty heartbreaking. So hopefully he sees his senses and signs a deal. Let's move on to another midfielder then who has signed a new contract. Um, news broke last week that Ollie Finney has signed a new deal. He's here. To, is it 2024 he signed till now? 
Now, I feel uh, Oli Finney, uh, his value increased by his absence last year. I think people didn't quite realise what he was doing for the team until he was out injured. Is that fair, James? Yeah, completely. We really looked lacking in ideas and goals and chances, really. Um, as soon as he was out of the team, links up the play as well in the same sort of way Callum mainly does, but Finney sort of more naturally finds himself um, with chances and really good chances as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Absent sort of made us all recognise how much um, we missed him and what an influential player he is and what he will be for us in the next couple of years. Let's move on to the forwards then. I feel like the wide players, uh, Owen Dale on the right, Charlie Kirk on the left, it's a little bit lacking in depth. That's probably the one you said already, Russ, where we're, we're missing yeah. a few. Um, those six or seven midfielders we just talked about, is there a possibility that Callum Ainley can maybe be thinking about playing a more advanced role? I've even seen people say Ollie Finney could play a more advanced role. I think that's mm. quite a different crew team, though, if Ollie Finney's playing where Charlie yeah. Kirk plays. Uh, we've got Regan Griffiths, Robbins as well, possibly. So should we be worried that we haven't signed any wingers? Yeah, I think so. I think we've obviously said about McFadzian and Long that they can both play on the wings. Um, although I wouldn't want Long on the wing. I've seen him in the first half against Forest. He didn't really do anything. Um, just going back to what you said about Ainley going on the wings, he, he came through as a winger and he was not that good. He's become a lot better player in the middle and in those half spaces in like the number 10 role. So I think going forward, he has to stay central. We have seen Regan Griffiths play on the left wing a couple of times. So I'd like to see more that more of that because he was, he was not too bad there, but I think we do need to improve on the wings uh, squad depth. Definitely. And then who do we fancy Steve Mika Mandron or Chris Long to start the first game up front or both? What about Chris Porter? My Lord. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. It's um, for me. It has to be Mika um, if he's fit. He was our second top scorer last season. Out of the three, he's the most mobile and the most, for me, the most threatening. So for me, Mika starts. I wouldn't be surprised to see Long start this game though, because Mika's missed a fairly big chunk of preseason, and Long's played in his place. So I wouldn't, if I was picking my dream eleven, I would pick Mandron. But it wouldn't surprise me if Long starts this game. I've got one last thing then before we move on. Uh, I'm going to put you in the position of a bit of a fortune teller and ask you where do you think we're going to finish this season? Now, I've read, and I know you guys have read quite a few reviews at the minute, they seem to range from relegated to not quite relegated. <laughs> uh, that doesn't quite ring true in my head where I think this squad should be. What about you guys? I think we, we are stronger. My heart is actually telling me that it's going to be more difficult than last season. Um, it's sort of concerned that we're not quite going to click. But then when I think about it, I think we're in a better position. Um, we don't seem to have any significant injuries. We've got more squad depth. So really, I'm expecting us to, to kick on. And as we've heard from the chairman and Luke Murphy, we've got to be going for the playoffs. If we're not going for the playoffs, what is the point, really? Yeah, go for it. We've improved every year since Artel took over, and I think league position-wise, this year will be his toughest test to improve on that. I don't think we'll be in a relegation battle. I don't think we'll flirt with relegation. However, personally, my heart says that the top six is just a bit out of reach for us. However, I wouldn't mind giving it a good go. I uh, I agree with Steve entirely there. I don't think we'll be flirting with relegation. I think 
if you've got a look at the league and the, the sheer quality of teams in there, because Ipswich are a completely different team. They've got an incredible squad. MK Dons, they're about to lose Ross Martin probably, but they've got an incredible squad. Uh, Wigan, Wigan are, yeah, Wigan are coming, going to come good as well. That's another three teams that weren't really challenging playoffs that much last year. I think we'll be mid-table, but I think we can give it a really good go. Yeah, I think I probably agree. Um, I think consistently inconsistent again, like last season. Win one week, lose the next. It's good for the pod because it gives us something to complain <laughs> about or something to be happy about each week, something a bit different. Uh, not so good for the heart, though, when you you know, you know go in thinking you're going to win a home game and you lose 6-0. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. We are now less than a week away from Cheltenham at home. Uh, just like last season, I spoke to the opposition fan to get their perspective. This week's was James Young. So I'm joined now by James Young. Hi, James. Hello. Now, I believe you're the BBC Radio Gloucestershire summariser for Cheltenham and also the chairman of the Robins Trust. That's correct, yeah. I've um, been covering games for the BBC now for about ooh, 15 years and uh, actually been involved in the, in the Robins Trust for, for a similar amount of time. So, yeah, for, for, for my sins, I, I, know, I know a lot about Cheltenham. <laughs> yeah, so fairly authoritative then on uh, the subject of Cheltenham Town. Ooh, I, 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 I don't know whether we'll go that far, but I've certainly got an opinion. Fair enough. Uh, so I'll start you off with a nice, easy question. How did last season go? Uh, pretty well, to be fair. Um, first time in uh, Cheltenham's Football League uh, life uh, that they've been champions of a division. Um, it was obviously very strange being um, a season with without any fans in grounds. As, as a sum- summariser for the BBC, I was one of the lucky ones I got to go to about 25, 30 games last season and, and, and watch Cheltenham. And it was a... It was, a strange time, but for, for most of it, this season of two halves, really, Cheltenham were really fluent at their uh, wonderful football for the first sort of uh, four or five months of the season and then turned into arch pragmatists with the long throw, which I'd imagine we'll go into later, being their not-so-secret weapon. But um, no, it was it was an outstanding season in the league. It was helped massively by the, the fact that they drew Manchester City in the FA Cup and got a live TV game and... Uh, the fact that that brought in sort of three, four hundred thousand pounds, both with the broadcast fee and the, the sponsorships uh, around it, just helped the club break an even keel, which is the difficult thing for any League Two, League One club to do when there's no crowds in the ground. And uh, and it also set them up because they did quite well in that game. They led Manchester City until the 81st minute, um, and I think the, it gave the players a lot of belief. And it and it was almost the springboard to going on and winning the league. So the season went really well. Um, how's the summer gone then? Have you retained your players well? Have you signed well? What's the feeling around the club? Yeah. Uh, at the moment, there's a bit of a feeling of frustration among supporters because there's not been as many incomings as people would like. People like to see players coming in. But I think the simple fact is that this is a team of champions uh, and all but one of them, of the first first team regulars, have been retained from last year. The only one who hasn't been retained is Josh Griffiths, who's a goalkeeper on loan from West Bromwich Albion for the year. Um, his form actually earned him a call up to the England England squad for the European Under-21 Championships. From, for a League Two player, that tells you everything. He's He's got a massive future in the game, and his, his future's probably uh, higher than Cheltenham, although he's gone to Lincoln on loan for this season in the same division. So he's the only one that hasn't been retained. 
But they brought in a goalkeeper from Wigan called um, Owen Evans, who's been on the fringes of sort of Welsh international honours and who's been on loan at Cheltenham before. And he sort of fitted in that, that hole. And then very much it's the, it's the case of, uh, of the same old reliable players that, that did the job last year being entrusted. Yes, Michael, that's the manager would like to bring in uh, a few more players. He'd like to certainly add a bit more League One experience, maybe. Um, but he's also being careful with the money that he's got to spend and not going and splashing out too soon. So I think we might see, a, uh, even this week, we might see two or three players maybe coming in on, on loan. And in terms of retention, he's probably the biggest asset to retain. He's the biggest asset that the club have got. He's, a, he's obviously a club legend. He's come in and in three full seasons in charge, he's turned the team from a team that was probably destined for relegation after a bit of a messy end to Gary Johnson's tenure into one that uh, played some wonderful football and then when the wonderful football didn't work turned into arch pragmatists and won the league and I think he's destined for the very top. Okay so you just mentioned you know that the players have stayed uh, crew fans will possibly be aware of some of the players because we did play each other in the FA Cup last yeah. season but just remind us who are the star players who should we be looking out for on Saturday? Um, it's, it's a funny one because I suppose it's probably the back four or the back three, sorry. Uh, Cheltenham play a very regi uh, regimented 3-5-2. They're very, very well coached in that in that position, in those positions. And probably the star players are the three centre-backs. It's, it's, it's like a, uh, uh, Cheltenham's favourite law firm because they just roll off the tongue, raglan, toes or boil. Um, whenever you're just <laughs> inking team the people onto the team sheet, that'll be the, the back three right to left and that they all have a bit of uh, um, defensive nous, obviously. They, they have, I think, for two years running, they were the uh, meanest defence in League Two. And whatever Cheltenham are, can achieve this year will be built on that defensive foundation. But also with Ben Tozer's long throw, uh, Will Boyle was almost Cheltenham's top scorer last season. And those two have an unbelievable sort of telepathic uh, way of uh, of connecting from those long throws and. And it will be interesting to see whether whether League One defences can cope because League Two defences just couldn't cope with it. So is that what Cheltenham are all about then? Is it only long throws into the box? <laughs> Towards the end of last season, there was probably a, a case for saying that because they were playing results football. They were trying to win the league. They were trying to get promoted. Actually, at the start of last season, they were playing some pretty sensational football. And the long throw wasn't really, it was a sort of a, a supplementary thing. I can remember going to a game at Tranmere where I think Chotton scored sort of four times in, in, in eight or nine minutes in the uh, three times, sorry, in eight or nine minutes in the first half. And they were playing sensational football. They did so in a game at Leighton Orient as well. They, they had a game against Exeter sort of just before uh, the end of the year when, when that period where fans were allowed in, where they were, again, sensational scored. I think it was a game that finished 5-2 and they were passing teams off the park. When the pitches got bad and... and and the fact that it was a case of needing to get results. We, I suppose we used to say in commentary that the 3-5-2, which was quite open and attacking at the start of the season, became a 5-3-2. And they just sort of reverted to what they do best, which is stop the opposition scoring and look for set pieces. And yes, that was the throw-in. And the amount of times that they must have won 1-0 or 2-1 and the throw-in was the... Uh, uh, that led to the winning goal was 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 hit probably three or four times, five, six times in the season. But if you've got the weapon, use it. 
Okay, James, I'm going to let you go in a second. Just before you do, first game of the season, first season back in League One. Can I get a prediction for the game on Saturday? Uh, you'd like to think it'd be tight. Games against Cheltenham against Crew in the last few years have been really, they've been good games more than anything. They've been two good, the two sides that like to play the football. I, I think it'll be a bit cagey, depending on the weather. You can get some scorches at the top of the season, can't you? Maybe a 1-1 to suit both sides. Okay, excellent. Thank you, James. Okay, so now we are going to be joined by James Beckett and Pete Morse, and they are going to tell us about a few changes that have happened around the club this summer. Okay, we're joined now by James Beckett and Pete Morse. Hi, you guys. How are you doing? You're right. All good, thank you. Um, Pete, you're becoming a bit of a regular on these pods now, so I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself again. Uh, but James, this is your first time with us. So for anyone listening that doesn't know, can you please explain what it is that you do? Um, yeah, that's a question. Um, I, I suppose I head up all sort of commercial at the football club. So sponsorship, advertising, hospitality, all that kind of stuff. Um, anything revenue generation, really, um, is, is my responsibility. So, yeah, yeah, a wide role. Okay, so we've got the two of you on to talk about a few of the changes that have happened over at the club over the summer. Uh, James, we'll start with you. Um, the stadium itself is no longer Gresty Road. It's not even the Alexandra Stadium. No, yeah. Um, Mournflake have obviously taken the, the stadium naming rights. Uh, it, it, it's always a controversial sort of thing, stadium naming rights. I think everyone's a little bit... Um, it's a delicate subject for some supporters. I think if we were still playing at Gresty Road, it might have been a different conversation for, for some supporters. But as we were playing at the Alexandra Stadium, and I don't think many supporters would ever have really called it the Alexandra Stadium. Um, I was a bit more relaxed about trying to trying to sell the stadium naming rights. And in Mournflake, we've got a great partner for it. They're, they're down the road. They've been on our front of the shirt since 2005, six season now. They're, they are... As partners go for a football club, it, it, we are very lucky to have Mornflake. Um, and whilst we didn't, I didn't quite get a call at the Mornflake Bowl like I wanted to. Um, I think Mornflake Stadium will do. Was the Porridge Bowl ever mentioned in negotiations? No, <laughs> no, um, we did. Mornflake Bowl was considered. Mornflake <laughs> Bowl was considered and quickly vetoed by the powers that be. When we add um, corner stands, I'm sure that's going to change then to the porridge bowl, surely. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. When we, when we get promoted a couple of divisions, we fill in the corners, we'll be all right. So you've just mentioned Mournflake are a great local sponsor for the club. Um, there's another local sponsor that's really committed to the club this year. They haven't done anything different in terms of what they're sponsoring. However, they have signed a bit of a contract with us, the Whitby Morrison Ice Cream Van Stand. Yeah, uh, I mean... This was a conversation that, that I had with Ed Whitby over at Whitby Morrison, and, it, and it, it was just a sort of a throwaway comment from me saying we they'd always had sort of a one-year rolling deal. And I said to him, why don't we, why don't we just do 99 years? Okay, yeah, let's do it. And it literally was one of them conversations, really quick deal to between, between the two of us. Obviously, they've been around for, I think they've partnered the club for, 30 years now or something like that had to stand for the last 10 years and they are Stuart's obviously on the board Stuart Whitby they are as big a crew fans as as you could find um 
while they probably never sell an ice cream van from it, Ed loves having the the reputation that comes from it and the branding, and 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 he loves the fact that people know we Whitby Morrison are in the town. So, um, yeah, it's we again we're really lucky to have someone like Whitby Morrison around and and partnering with us because they just make it easy. They're easy conversations to have, um, and the nice conversations to have with nice people. James, was there any reluctancy in signing such a long deal for Whitby, or was it completely plain sailing? It's plain sailing, really. Um, we we get a we get a decent figure for it for the football club, um, and they're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Um, to have that continuity is is good. Um, and yeah, well, which it's just a. I'm sure there might be a few conversations in years to come when if Whitby Morrison have changed hands or whatever, or we've changed hands. But, I mean, right now, we're, we're all happy with it and we're, we're, we're delighted with it. Now, Pete and James, I'm going to ask you a question because I'm sure you're both sick to death of talking about the word scoreboard. So instead of asking you all about it, I've, I believe it looks really good from the people that have gone into the preseason friendlies. What I will ask is who's going to be the first crew player to have their name flash up scoring a goal on Saturday? Uh, I'll go with Mika. Mika will get a, a, nice, early, a nice early goal. I've got to go for Oli Finney. He's promised us loads of goals today. We spoke to him today with his uh, his new contract and uh, he reckons he should have had 20 by February uh, last season before he got injured. So um, I've got to back him to come come through for us. Excellent choices. So, I mean, it is really good, though, that the scoreboard's up and running. And uh, Russ, you've said it does look really good. Yeah, it looks really good. Something I want to know is when we score and the number changes to one, who is pressing that little button? So that at the minute is Ben Breeze, um, reluctantly. Um, <laughs> he's been given the responsibility of the scoreboard added to him, and I think he likes to be back on social media. But um, but yeah, he, he sort of operates that from up in the press box at the minute. So um, he's got a, he's had to learn a few more gadgets and stuff this summer. Um, but yeah, the, the scoreboard's great to to have that, um, and, and I think. I've been to fans forums in the past and everyone's always wanted a scoreboard, haven't they? It's why we've had a throw-ins and why haven't we got a scoreboard are the two questions. So we've dealt with one of them this summer. Um, and, and the Red Lion Club has, has really helped that. Um, that's that's effectively paid for the scoreboard in a couple of seasons. That, so we'll be pure pure profit from that in a couple of seasons. And then with a bit more sponsorship from from KPI and Nantwich Veneers, they've, they've been... The, it's it's in profit in year two, which it's. I think people are shocked when you when you tell them it's a neck end of a hundred grand investment for a scoreboard like that. So it's it's it, it's a big bit of kit for a for a, for a screen. It, it's a big investment from the from the football club, but but we've managed to make it work. So yeah, it's good. Okay, James, sticking with you. Um, some other changes then I keep seeing on Twitter. You might want to expand on and explain a bit more. Are the new hospitality packages? Yeah. Yeah, so we've. Um, I think the pandemic gave the whole football club chance to sort of take stock of where we were and, and have a look at all our options, really, and all our offerings. Um, and hospitality was something that the club had, had sort of dipped the toe in at the at it, but never really made the most of sort of having people in from twelve o'clock on a match day and treating them to a, a three course meal before the game and, and selling them a a premium seat. So so we decided to change the catering partner that we were with. We got a new catering partner on board in Ridgeway Catering. 
and and we've sort of revamped the the offering. So over on the other side, the the Alexandra Suite, which is going to be renamed the Railwaymen Bar and Lounge, um, part funded by the the Railwaymen Supporter Society. That is uh, effectively your, your fan option for on a match day. That is where you can go and have a pint. You can have a pie before the game, and you can meet your friends if you want to go and, and have a little bit to eat you go behind the goal and you can the the executive lounge has been rebranded as the legends lounge that is a sort of a one course curry before the game or chili and rice or something like that fairly um easy easy have a few beers watch the watch the warm-up with it with a with a group of friends and over in the the rights lounge as it is now is a little bit more more fancier i suppose it's it's good it's high quality foods um it's a really good really good menu choices that you get in there um and it's it's three course or or, or single course in there dave comes in does a little talk before the game talks talks through the teams and stuff like that um what, what, what to expect from the game and stuff so i just think that the whole offering is, is completely changed and um i just hope that that the fans really sort of give it a go because there's a it is, it is a change for everybody, um, but it, I mean, if they get behind it, it can really, it can really make a difference to the football club. And 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 the only person that's going to benefit is Dave Artel and the, and the team. Um, no one's taking the money's not going anywhere else. Any profits from this isn't aren't going anywhere else. It's going back into the football club. And um, and if people can get behind it, it's it's brilliant. With Dave Artel doing those little talks at the uh, last option you said, has that sort of thrown out? his routine, pre-match routine, what does he have to think about that? He, he said to me uh, that he he has a little bit of downtime, so he sends the players out for the warm-up. Kenny normally takes the warm-up, and he has about five minutes of downtime before he then goes and watches the warm-up and makes sure they're all doing what they should be doing. Um, so I he agreed that I could grab him for five minutes at 20 past two. Uh, <laughs> And I've got five minutes, and that's about that's about it. But um, no, he's Dave's brilliant. To be fair, Dave is um, an absolute gem to work with as a manager because he he buys into everything that we do, uh, and and he's a big big asset for the football club in that way. Okay. Lastly, then for you, James, uh, if people are listening to this on Monday, the day it's released, then this bit won't be out of date. But if you're listening from Tuesday onwards, sorry, it's too late. Uh, I'm talking about the club's season launch evening now. James, can you explain to me and the people listening what is a season launch evening? Yeah, it's it's something new that we've we've tried really. I, I mean, we 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 did in, uh, and originally have a plan of doing sort of a, a kit launch evening where where this was going to be, and Dave would come down and players had modelled a new kit. Unfortunately, Boris extended lockdown, so we couldn't do that. So um, we've decided to do it as a as a as a season launch evening where. Supporters can come down. They can. Dave's going to do a little bit on the mic and, and take questions about the season. And it's going to be a little bit different to a fans forum because the other people that will be taking the questions are other players. So fingers crossed, the new captain's going to be there. Um, all that, other members of the squad, new additions and stuff. So it's a chance for the supporters to get to know the players a little bit better. Uh, a chance for supporters to get together again. Really, I mean. A lot of fans won't have seen each other. If you've not been to a pre-season game, you've probably not seen other crew fans together for the neck end of 18 months properly. So you can come and have a beer, try our new sort of food in the in the rights lounge. And yeah, it's just a sort of a casual, relaxed evening where supports can get together and and and, and talk all things crew, Alex. 
So it gives us an option to ask the players directly why they're so bad at throw-ins then. Yeah, 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 definitely. You can you can ask them directly. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, um, like I say, this is going to be out on the Monday of the season launch evening. So if someone's listening to this, they haven't heard anything about this, can they just pop down to the stadium on Monday night and buy a ticket on the door? I think you've probably got to buy your, your ticket online before, but um, but yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be able to still get tickets. Cool. Thank you, James. Uh, I'm going to turn to you now, Pete, if you don't mind. Um, since the last time we spoke at the end of last season, I believe you've now found yourself in charge of a magazine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's um, it's a good indication, really, of um, the, the way the club is approaching things now. Um, I mean, it's interesting for me being on the inside in, in this way. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've, I've, I've worked for the club before, but always at Reezeath, either playing or coaching. Um, and obviously being in the offices now, although I haven't got the contrast that James has got, you know, you know, maybe before the pandemic and now, but there's a lot going on. There really is. There's uh, a lot of activity, a lot of work, a lot of uh, almost like trying to do the catching up that Charles Grant was talking about in the in his first interview in the magazine. Um, and it's really good to see. And the magazine is is part of that. I think it's fair to say that. Um, they decided they wouldn't continue with the programme for whatever reason, that they felt that wasn't working anymore. Uh, and they had the, the, the choice, really, to do nothing, to close it down and do nothing, or to try to do something else, um, you know, for the supporters. Um, and Stuart Rip, Whitby is, is really the driving force behind it. And he approached me, said, would you fancy it? Um, and I'm working with, with Rob Wilson, who, you know, was programme editor for all those years, to put it together so it's quite an exciting thing it's very different it's completely different from the program and it and it really is genuinely something for the supporters it's um it's not going to make loads of money um we 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 you know we're, we're looking to break even at first and then maybe maybe make a little bit but the main thing is it's something for the supporters something quality something interesting something to bring them closer to the club and and feel more connected to the club um, and like I say, it's indicative of what they're doing. They, they're, they're, they're having a go at stuff and they're trying to bring the supporters in. They're trying to make the offerings better. Uh, and as I say, this magazine is just a small part of it. Excellent. Um, so the first issue has already come out. Um, what sort of things are in it for anyone that hasn't seen it so far? Well, what's going to be in it every month is um, a lot of features um, and a lot of exclusive stuff that won't be anywhere else. So although it's very, very tempting, nothing that, we, that I do, the key features uh, and, and that Rob does will be on online. It won't be anywhere else. If you want to see them, they'll be in the, in the magazine. So regular features there will be. So we'll have something from the chairman every week, but every month, sorry, but that'll be uh, an insight. It won't be, you know, perhaps just your, your general stuff you might have been used to. It will be a, a real insight into his, his views and his uh, his work and, and how he sees things going forward, the plans that he's got for the club. Um, David Artel's diary has been a bit of an eye-opener for people, I think. He's, um, again, as James said, he's really supportive. He's really on board with stuff. So he's um, working with me to put together sort of a diary through the, through his month and, and give you some real insights into his dealings. Not just... Um, you know results it's not going to be reaction to results it's not going to be the stuff that you already know it's not going to be the stuff that you're going to get online it's not going to be match reports it's not going to be the, all the things that you can access elsewhere it's going to be different from that so David you know David will talk about 
um, obviously football and transfers and agents, but also about what's, you know, home life and, and how he juggles that and the different stresses and, and, and get and allow people to get to know him. And I think that's what a lot of it's like. It's about getting to know the people who, um, who make things work. So the Academy is going to be a big uh, feature of the, of the magazine every month. We're going to look at the people um, who make it work and, and the things that they do that, that you don't already know about. Yes, we all know that Crew have got a great Academy. And yes, we all know that some players are coming through it and, and uh, the first team's full of them. But what do we know about the people who make that happen? What do we know about who makes that happen? What do we know about the, people, the, the players who are coming through before they get to the, to the first team and before they start making that impression? So uh, Aidan Callum's been really supportive with that, the academy director. He's, he, he sees the, the value and the importance of now um, opening the doors, if you like, to, to let supporters be a part of, of that process. Um, and, and again, you know, player interviews and and and, and features like that. It, it works, you know, I've spoken to Ollie Finney today, so I did a little bit with him about his signing. But then I did a little bit with him about him and you know what he thinks and the challenges he's faced and who he is and what makes him, him tick and the journey he's been on and and the things that um, you know I, the things that I think are interesting, the things that I think that people are going to buy into and and understand and relate to and. And, and learn about and see that you know obviously it's easy to say well they're just they're just people doing a job and we all know that yeah of course we know that but let, let's find out okay well who is Ollie Finney and, and you know where's he come from and how's he found it and, and what's gone wrong for him and what's going right and what are his, what are his plans and and that'll go that'll be the theme really that's why we came up with the the, the, the name really inside crew is is to let supporters just get a little bit more connected learn a little bit more about the people who are making the place tick and, um, and, and, and get them to understand an, an, an even greater feel for that. And, you know, once we, you know, we'll get through a lot of people and when we really get to scrape in the barrel, we'll, we'll get to James Beckett, but not, <laughs> not for a while. Fair point. I thought you were going to say me then, to be honest, Pete, but yeah, you, uh, never yeah, mind. That's, 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 that's 2027, that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I agree with you saying, you know, it's giving people an idea. Cause I think for a lot of people, it was, uh, for example, the first thing that they heard with Tommy Lowry with uh, Dave Artel's diary that, you know, there'd been a bit of a thing with an agent. So it's giving fans that inside, like you just said. Um, now, my next question, you might notice it's coming from a slightly selfish point of view. Uh, some of us who are crew fans don't live in the UK. Um, is it possible that this is going to be an online thing where we can access it eventually? I know it's not a thing at the moment. Um that that's been reviewed. I mean, it is all new in fairness, and and there was there was a certain vision. And um, as I say, Stuart Whitby is is really the driving force, and his vision is is a quality product. Um, anyone who's seen it, you know, it's it's very nicely, not very cheaply produced, cheap as we can get it, but it's a it's a perfect bound, and it's a coffee table style magazine that hopefully people will like to keep, and that's that's been the vision for it. But, you know, we, we, we started from, from scratch. You know, obviously we've got the experience of, of Rob, um, but we moved away from the, the printers and the designers. So we, we had to work out with James as well, who's going to print it, who's going to design it, how it's going to look, what it's going to look like, what's going to be in it. And all those things have been reviewed, including, you know, the, the idea of it being digital or, you know, the idea of how we're going to make sure that everyone can get to it. Um, and obviously we're still very early in that stage. So it, it's something that we're looking, so looking at something that we will review. I can't tell you there's 
any plans at the moment. Um, you can get it sent over, though. It might take a while to reach you, but there is a, there is a mechanism for that on the website. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened, but um, it's, it's not, uh, not formalised yet. And, of course, once we've got through the first edition or two, we'll see where we're at, um, you know, and, and what, what we think is going to work going forward. Have you had any pushback from people in the fact that the program has gone? Uh, I imagine someone might have messaged you and said, I've got every program from every home game for the last 25 years and you've got them into the program. The short answer is yeah, and obviously we expected that. Um, and, you know, we don't want to disappoint people. Um, and it's it's a fine balancing act so there there is, there is there are going to be elements of of what was in the program we feel that we're we're trying to keep the best elements of the of the program but what we can't do is make it a program because then it's not the new product it's nothing new and and like i say with the best will in the world the program wasn't working anymore so yes there are going to be the sort of ardent supporters of the of that format but um we have to move away from that largely to you know to see if this will work and see if it's uh, it's more popular um we will we will upset some people we might you know away sales might suffer i mean they probably will suffer but i do think if you if you think um, about you know your traditional match day program so much of it is available elsewhere um you know people talk about the squad you know we've got that the scoreboard's going to take care of a lot of that if it wasn't already taken care of by the phone in your pocket um so there are there are all those elements um that um can have been able to be accessed elsewhere and that's why i think the program hadn't been working so we will uh you know feature the opposition we will keep the fixtures in and we will keep those bits of information that we think are still viable and still give it a bit of a feel from for a you know of, of the program but we won't be aiming it at particular match days we won't be um worrying about particularly um you know, bringing in match reports and details of, of stuff that, you know, let's face it, once the game finishes at five o'clock on a Saturday, the reports are online at, at one minute past five. Um, bringing them out in a, in a magazine three weeks later is, is redundant now. And what you can do is make a stylish job of it with photos and, and, the, and the basic information. So there, there is that matter of record about it. We, you will be able to know how crew have been getting on in the last month and who scored and what happened. But we can't just uh, cater for the, the programme collectors as much as we'd like to cater for everyone because it, it is a different product. And uh, the feedback has been generally very, very good at the moment. And um, yeah, I, I do just hope, uh, as well as all the other offerings, that there is a lot of hard work going on across the club, as I said. And um, a lot of the things that supporters have been asking for you know, they've been asking for a scoreboard, they've asking for more commercial activity, they've been asking for more hospitality. The feedback on the, on the magazine has been good. And, and, and now, you know, I think I can, I can say, I, I, hope, I hope they support it. I hope they back it and I hope that they, um, you know, make sure that it, it, it's viable because they wanted it and now they, they genuinely are getting it. So um, hopefully it can continue, can continue to grow. Just on the uptake of the, the magazine, obviously subscription based, are you, are you pleased with the, the current uptake so far? of the, the subscription uh, the honest truth is the, the, the truth is i think the short answer is yes but i, I don't know no i've done it before <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know whether we were you're ahead of a target or, or behind or not really that was well well the, well, the first month represents uh, again um without continue wishing to continue just um uh blowing smoke uh at the uh, the powers that be but it does represent 
and a big investment because they've sent 2,000 odd copies out to season ticket holders, which um, is a few thousand quid. You know, it's a, it's a costly sort of exercise to get it out there. So obviously, in terms of working out how we're doing financially and how that's going to work with subscriptions and, and uh, over-the-counter sales, it's, it's hard to do. Once we get into a bit of a rhythm um, and we see what it's like, then we'll know more. So, that, you know, there will be targets. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm good with words and James is good with numbers. So he'll work that out for me and tell me where I'm going wrong, I'm sure. But it's, um, yeah, I feel the feedback's been good. The subscriptions are coming in. We are selling them. The season hasn't started yet. And obviously there'll be a, another test for some of the supporters who receive one for free. Once the next one's out, do they want it? Are they going to subscribe? We'll see them. We'll learn more. I mean, I think we're, we're pretty confident. We, we think that, uh, as I say, the, um, the response has been good enough and it's been fairly universally positive and all feedback welcome. We, we, know, we're, we know it's a work in progress from top to bottom. We, we are just starting out and, and trying to do something good and we will, you know, get things wrong and we will correct mistakes and 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 get better but um i think i think i think it'll be good but yeah like i say with all with all these things we, we you know the club is trying we're doing our best and you know we, we need that support and we, we need people to back it so that it can continue to uh to do well and, and as james says it's in the end a club like crew it all ends up in in the first team and what you see on a saturday nobody's um walking out with bagfuls of cash it's all it's all going to uh make for a better saturday afternoon I was going to ask about uh, the Nick Powell interview because I thought that was really cool. Um, two things. One, can we have his number so we can get him on here? And two, can we expect more sort of ex-player interviews in future episodes, editions? Number one, no. Um, number two, <laughs> um, number two, yeah, yeah. The short answer to that is yes. Um, I, I do want to get ex-players on. What I don't want to do is... Um, tie myself and tie Rob to getting one every month and find yourself in a situation where you end up like, oh, we, who are we going to get? And then it's, it's someone that we didn't really want or it's not very good. What I want to do is get the people that we want when we can get them and make it good. And, that, and that's really the approach with everything. It's got to be good. I don't want to find myself, you know, I've worked for a newspaper for a lot of years and, and you do find yourself thinking, oh my God, is that gap? How are we going to fill it? And, you know, every week we have, you know, rugby there and, and we've got to find some rugby or whatever. And, and, and it isn't very good. It's got to be good. We, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a premium product. We want it to be quality. We want people to love it. So, yes, I do want to do that and we will be doing it. But I'm not going to say, with more or less anything, I'm not going to say it's going to be there every month. What I'm trying to do and what Rob's trying to do is get something good there every month and it'll be different. Um, and also, this is just a personal thing. Um, and I, I don't always want to just try and get the, the superstars. Nick Powell was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant with me because I, I must admit I was uh, it was a bit of in, uh, trepidation when I uh, picked up the phone. I was surprised that he uh, it was Rob who pulled in a favour and, and and got and got me the number. And I thought, well, how is this going to go? And he was absolutely brilliant with me. Um, so we you know we do want to get people like Nick Powell, of course. But I you know some of the uh, some of the more forgotten names and some of the, you know, perhaps more obscure ones or the, or the, the cult heroes that all right, maybe never went to the top level, but are well beloved by crew fans. It's those sort of people I, I want to get and I will get. Um, but like I say, it, it's, it's, I'm not going to promise something every month because then I think that you, you're always risking that the quality will dip. Yeah, uh, I speak from personal experience from last year. You sort of get yourself in a situation where you make a rod for your own back trying to find the next crew player to come on. It's, uh, it's quite hard work, if I'm honest with you, Pete. 
Pete, I was just going to ask, is there any sort of scope or potential for an end of season magazine or review? I know in the early 2000 days, we used to do like a little book, which did sort of match reports plus review and things like that. Is that something you're looking to do? Well, it's, that's, uh, it's not something that's been discussed yet, but I mean, I think that's what's good. You know, what I found about the club is, is that all ideas are welcome, genuinely. Um, and there is a real sort of can-do attitude and open-mindedness to, to uh, suggestions like that. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of do it, a lot of, yes, let's do it, let's try it, let's see. So all those things, um, you know, we've, we've also discussed, do we need to, you know, when, when perhaps when the bigger clubs um, come to Grassy Road, uh, sorry, uh, Mournflake Stadium, um, do we, um, you know, do we do a little programme for, for that? Do, you know, how, are we going to lose a lot of uh, away sales? So do, do we counteract that? Do we just uh, just live with it? Or, you know, do, do we do an end of season review? Do, you know, do we do something new? What can we do to improve things and make things better? So, I mean, all those things are possible and all ideas genuinely are welcome. I can't tell, tell you there's any plans. I mean, certainly if we get promoted, I should think we'll, we'll be doing something <laughs> um, once we sober up. <laughs> um, I've got one last question for you guys then before we go. Uh, so some of us won't be back at the Mournflake Stadium on Saturday for the game against Cheltenham. And people are a little bit worried that the changes at Radio Stoke might affect the, uh, the match day experience. Are we confident that we've got the dream team for Saturday's game on the airwaves? That's probably another one for me. Well, yeah, it will be uh, me and Mr. McGarry. It's the time of the year for Mr. McGarry's sandals to make a, a, a well, well-earned appearance again. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know what you're, you're talking about. The, the medium wave's gone, um, and, and to be honest, um, we, we'll we'll see as much as as you will. Um, I know that some of the time it'll be on Freeview, some of the time it'll be on DAB. We hope that it will be um, fairly shared out, if you like, um, and, and crew will get you know on the on the better frequencies um, as often as the other clubs. We're assured that crew will do, and I think the, the plan. I think we've seen the plan throughout the first fifteen games, and it is like that. It is a it is a, a fair share. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can continue to, um, you know, deliver what we were delivering before. Um, I think, think, you know, we've seen a lot of change, haven't we? We've seen a lot of change, obviously, with the eye follow. And um, I think that always changes minds. And sometimes you don't know whether things are going to go back exactly as they were before. I think um, that could be good. I think that um, it's always it's always good to have a, another look at it. So you don't know what will develop in the future, you know, either at the radio station or at the club. But, uh, you know, for the time being, I think that, um, yeah, we're, we'll be back in the saddle and um, hopefully um, the, the, the best news. I mean, if he brings his broken clock when that scoreboard's in front of us, <laughs> I am jacking it in. I am jacking it in. You don't ever know. He might listen to this and decide that he's going to bring his broken clock now. He will, he will anyway. I mean, it's not, it's not had a back for the battery since I've known him. <laughs> so the battery, the, the, the clock is shocking anyway, but the batteries just fall out whenever they want. I, mean, I don't think we've got through a game, you know, we're accurately keeping the time. So we've got no, uh, going to no problems at uh, Mullenflake Stadium now with that. So hopefully it'll adapt. Okay, James and Pete, we're going to let you two go now. Thank you so much for popping onto the pod and we'll speak to you again soon.
Right. We'll finish with two competitions then. Um, we've got a new one for our panellists who come on the pod this season. Um, last season, I think it, it got a bit, you know, 0.16, 0.23. Uh, so what I'm going to do this season, I'm going to ask everybody that comes on to predict when the first goal will be scored. Uh, the amount of minutes that you are away, I will add that to the score. So basically, you guys want to be as close as possible to zero at the end of the season. A couple of clarifying points before we start. If it's nil-nil, then I'll just do the goal as having been scored in the 90th minute. So if you had said the 70th minute, I'll add 20 to your score, for example. Uh, another point, injury time gets a little bit confusing. So for any injury time goals... I'll just have it as the 45th or the 90th minute. So factor that into your thinking. Last thing, if you get the score bang on, so if you say the 17th minute and it is the 17th minute, I will reset your score for the season to zero. Wow. So Russ, I'm going to give you the privilege of going first with our brand new game. What minute will the first goal be scored in Crew versus Cheltenham? Um, what an honour. I'm going to go with... The 33rd. Okay, James. Uh, for me, it's the seventh minute. I feel like there's always an early goal in our first games, especially at Cresty Road. So seventh minute for me. Okay, Steve. I agree with James. First game of the season is always fast and frantic. I will go 12th minute. 12th minute, okay. Right, we have got another competition that we have been running. That was for the pod to sponsor a player for the upcoming season. I am absolutely delighted to announce that the Railway Men podcast is going to be sponsoring Rio Adebisi for the 2021-22 season. Uh, it was between him and Mika. They seemed to get the two most votes. By the time we got round to sorting it out, uh, Mika had already gone. So we have got Rio, which I am delighted with, uh, especially as people mostly seem to be voting for Mika just uh, as a comeback from his comment about not knowing <laughs> what the pod was last year. <laughs> Much happier with an academy player. Okay. What I did ask people to do, though, was to help us uh, raise the money for this. And we did have a prize up for grabs, which was a signed shirt from last season. It's got the whole squad signed on it. It's been kindly donated by Tim. Tim is also... Uh, paid for it to be framed. It's a fantastic prize. What I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to share my screen with you guys now. Okay, so guys, you should now be able to see a wheel with lots of different names on it, correct? Yes. Yes. That's great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spin it once, uh, and that person is going to take the prize of the signed shirt with, uh, with the nice frame that Tim has sorted. So off we go. This is 10. It's a weekly feature. Okay. The winner is Tom Bailey. So, Tom, if you get in touch with us on the pod, uh, we will sort that out. I imagine it will probably be meeting Tim at a home game with the prize to put in the back of your car. That's two uh, prizes, that then. There meet you go, Tim yeah. And the get to meet Tim. Uh, I'm quite happy with that because if you look, guys, on the screen, uh, H. Robinson is next to Tom. <laughs> so I, I feel like I've been accused of some nepotism if uh, that had happened. Okay. Uh, lastly, just a quick one for me. Uh, I think I and the pod, and hopefully you agree, the listeners were quite lucky with the amount and the quality of the panellists we had on last season. 
Um, however, this season, fingers crossed, should mean a return to a normal match day, which means it's not as easy as just watching it on your telly at home. So I am foreseeing a situation where we may need to up the number of our panellists. So if you are someone that wants to give this a go, then please send us a message. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. We have an email. It's quite an easy email to remember. It is therailwaymenpodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, as well, um, we are quite a male-heavy podcast. Uh, according to our stats, we do have 12% of our audience are females. So if you are a female crew fan and you want to give this a go, get in touch as well. But that'll do us for today. Uh, I think this has been quite a full pod, so it's probably a good time to finish. James, Steve and Russ, thank you as ever for coming on today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Of course, thanks to James and Pete who are on a little bit earlier. Thank you, as ever, for listening. We'll be back on Monday to talk about the first game of the season. So until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.